Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. We're going to look at verse 9. And this is part two of our series, The Lion and the Lamb. As always, I encourage you to download the podcast that's available later this week and listen to the message again. We put it out for free so you can grow in your faith. Due to different technical issues in this area that's knocked out our Wi-Fi, the notes won't be available today, but you will be able to see them later on today. Genesis chapter 49. Start with verse 8. So chapter 49 in context, Jacob is getting ready to leave this earth. So he calls all of his children around them, and he begins to prophesy over each and every one. He prophesies over their futures, and he prophesies over their descendants. So when he gets to Judah, the fourth in line, he says, Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp or a young lion. From the prey, my son, you are gone up and stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So when he prophesies over Judah, he calls Judah a young lion. Now the young lion is the one that leads the pack. It's not an old lion that leads the pack. It's always the young lion that leads the pack. A lot of times we may just read this over, reading the Bible, and it says, oh, this is a weird prophecy. Let's keep going. Let's end the chapter and go look at what happens in the book of Exodus. But it's important to who you are today. But before we look at that, go to Genesis 29, 35. Let's look at what the name Judah means. Genesis chapter 29, verse 35. Genesis 29, verse 35. And Leah conceived again and bare a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Judah's name is translated as praise, praised, celebrated, and is a shortened form of praise God. Judah's name is translated as praise, praised, celebrated, and a shortened form of praise God. So go back to chapter 49 with me. Let's pay attention to verse 10. 
The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh is a messianic title, meaning the peacemaker or the peaceful one. Shiloh is a messianic title, meaning the peacemaker or the peaceful one. In Israel, there's a city named Shiloh, which is also translated as the place of rest. When it has this phrase here, the gathering of the people, it's also translated the obedience of the nations. So he says, when Shiloh comes, the nations will bow down before him. So when you speak of Judah or Shiloh, you are speaking of rulership, dominion, and royalty. When you're speaking of Judah or Shiloh, you're speaking of rulership, dominion, and royalty. This prophecy sheds the light that there would be a ruler who would come and would be celebrated and praised. It says that all nations would bow down before this ruler. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Let's look at the passage we looked at last week. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Last week, we examined the importance of Jesus being the Lamb of God and what that means to our everyday lives. This same chapter calls Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is Shiloh, the peacemaker, the prince of peace. He is the ruler that all nations would bow down before. He is also the conquering lion. Notice it says the lion has prevailed. That word prevail means to subdue, to conquer, to overcome, to get the victory. So the lion has conquered. The lion has subdued. The lion has overcome. The lion has gotten the victory. See, Jesus brings victory wherever he goes. And if he's in your heart, he has brought victory into your heart. And wherever you let Jesus operate in your life, he will bring victory to that area of your life. Yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's also the conquering lion. Yes, he came as the Lamb of God to take your sins away, but he came as a lion to give you victory. Jesus came to make you like he is. Yes, he came as the lamb, and yes, we are the sheep of God. We are the sheep of his pasture. Yes, he's our shepherd. We shall not lack. But God didn't just want us to walk around like sheep, buying all the time. He's come to transform you completely. Go to Proverbs chapter 28. 
When you keep reading on Revelation chapter 5, as we talked about before, one of the things they're worshiping God about is that he made us kings and priests. The lamb came to take away your sins and to make you kings and priests. As we talked about all fall, you are royalty. Never forget that. One of the reasons Jesus died and was raised from the dead was to make you royalty. Proverbs 28, verse 1, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Jesus didn't come to make you a wimp. Jesus came to make you like a lion. Jesus came to give you boldness. The Amplified Classic Edition says the uncompromisingly righteous. There is boldness within every believer that walks with God. You might say, well, I don't feel that boldness. It may be deep down, but there is boldness already on the inside of you. Jesus came to make you bold as a lion. But that boldness should not be based on your righteousness. Because if it's based on your own personal righteousness, your own personal right doings, some days you'll be bold and other times you'll be a scaredy cat. Some days you'll be like a lion. Sometimes you'll be like a kitten hiding behind something. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness is my standing. My standing is not based on what I do or what I don't do. My standing is based on what Jesus did. Standing gives me access. Holiness should be our conduct, but righteousness is our standing. Righteousness gives you the standing that even if you mess up, you can ask God for forgiveness and be forgiven. If you didn't have standing, you couldn't walk into the throne of God and say, I messed up. But because you have standing, you can walk into the throne of God any time of day into the presence of God. One of the things about the Old Testament, only the priest could go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, once a year. He was the only one who had standing, and he could only go in once. They were not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, because you have standing, you can walk in any day, any night, say what you need, repent for what you need, and take a seat because Jesus reserved you a seat. It'd be one thing if he came, died, forgave all your sins, rose from the grave, and said, I'm preparing a place for where you just enjoy your mansion. That's wonderful. That's great. But Jesus got you a seat on the throne. What redemption did for us is far greater than anything we've ever imagined, ever given credit for. Because if the uninformed will look at a believer fully walking in his redemption, they would mistake him for Jesus. They would do a double take. They're like, I'm, is that Jesus or is that a Christian? That's how it's supposed to be. Now, people guessing, are you a Christian? Are they a believer? There's something different about them. You should look just like Jesus. So that when the world looks at you, they expect you to change the situation. They expect you to change the circumstance because they know Jesus would do it if he was walking the earth. And Jesus is walking the earth in you, Christian. When you call yourself Christian, you say, I am anointed. I have the anointing. I have the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Where is all the problems of the world going to be answered? You. If you don't do it, it'll keep getting worse. The Bible calls us the salt of the earth. It calls us the light of the world. So as long as we are salty, as long as we let our light shine, the world will be the place it's supposed to be. But any time... The church backs up. 
Darkness would fill the void. People like to talk about media. They say, oh, it's such a dark place in some, so many areas. Well, the only reason the world has control of television is because the church backed up 80 years ago. They call all that invention is evil. So they backed away. They were giving away licenses back then. The people who, had, who actually had the vision to use it, by the time they caught on to them, there's only a few. But why does darkness reign in certain areas? Because the church backs up. The church is afraid. When God has called the church to be like lions. Go to Isaiah 54, verse 17. It's time for the church to be bold. In 2018, for it to be a year of fullness, a year of overflow, a year of glory for you, you have to be bold. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17. We looked at this verse last week. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, says the Lord. It doesn't say weapons will not be formed. It doesn't say weapons will not be fired. It says it won't do what it wanted to do. So that means you can't be a wimp every time a weapon is formed. You can't be a wimp every time a weapon is fired because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So just because Satan aims at you, just because Satan fires at you, doesn't mean you run for cover. It means you face it head on like a lion. You face it with boldness. It's time out for being afraid of the devil. Christians praise Satan more than they praise God. Oh, the devil's been busy. Oh, Satan did this. Oh, the enemy did this. Oh, that evil spirit did that. And they talk more about the devil than they do about Jesus. Like, poor little God, what can he do against this mighty Satan? Remember who your God is. Remember what he made you. You're supposed to be bold as a lion. Go to Joshua chapter 1. We'll spend a lot of time in Joshua in the coming weeks. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. 
There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, a lot of times we read this, oh, that's a great promise. But that means you have to go against people for that promise to actually be activated. Since no one will stand before you, doesn't mean you hide out somewhere. That means you have to go to battle. And as if you go to battle, you're going to win, but it does mean you have to fight. So no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. So there will be times when you're battling, you'll be thinking, is God going to fail me? Has God forgotten about me? What is gonna, what's going on? I don't know what I'm about to do. This battle seems tough. God is giving Joshua reassurance, I have not forgotten about you. I'm not going to leave you. Keep fighting. Keep going forward. Be strong and of a good courage. He tells that to Joshua three times in this chapter. The only time you have to tell someone that three different times in the same message is because you are weak in the knees, knocking. You don't feel like a lion. This seems too much for you. Joshua's in a situation where a lot of things could seem too much. He's leading people who their parents were so hard-headed they didn't listen to Moses. Moses, part of the Red Sea. Moses lifted the staff, fried chicken flew in. Prayed, Krispy Kreme donuts fell from heaven. Hit a rock, water came out. Was disobedient, hit the rock again, and water still came out. Moses was doing all these miracles day after day after day. His face shined with the glory of God. God spoke to him face to face like a man speaks with a friend, and they still didn't listen to Moses. And now it's Joshua's job to leave their children. He could be, are you hard-headed like your parents, or did y'all learn your lesson? He could be nervous about that. But then also, Joshua's going to battle. A lot of times people think, we're going to the promised land. It's going to be easy. I can just retire and relax. No, the promised land has bigger battles than you fought in the wilderness. You have to understand, if you're going to get to your promised land, you have to be willing to fight the good fight of faith and get what God has for you. You can't just wimp out. You can't just say, well, I've made it. No, it's time to advance. It's time to work. It's time to work your land under the reign of God. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall you divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So don't think you can't do it. I picked you. You're going to do it. Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper whithersoever you go. Then he tells them, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. That med word meditate means to mutter, to say, to think on, and to roar. Therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous. Notice God didn't say, I'll make your way prosperous. And then you shall have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But notice one thing he tells him. He says, you put this book of law in your mouth and you keep saying it continually, over and over. You mutter it, you think on it, and you roar it. You have to learn to continually roar the word of God at your situation with the spirit of boldness Jesus came to give you. 
Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That word confidence means boldness and all outspokenness. So what is he saying? Don't throw away your boldness. Don't throw away your all outspokenness. Or another word says your bold, frank speech. Don't throw away your faith confession. Don't throw away your time roaring the word of God at your situation. Why? For it has great recompense of reward. That phrase, recompense of reward, means payday. It also means reimbursement for things you may have spent on a job. So he says, don't throw away your boldness. Don't throw away your bold speech. Don't throw away your faith confession. Don't throw away you roaring the word of God because it has a payday. How many of you know, depending on the type of job you have, you don't get paid every day. But you keep working because you know payday is coming. See, God may not pay up every other Friday, but he pays up big. So you keep working your faith knowing payday is coming. That doesn't mean I get tired. Well, I haven't seen payday yet. No, God is faithful, so I'm going to keep working my faith because my payday is coming, and every day I work my faith is a day closer to my payday. There is a great recompense of reward for me, so I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to get tired or weary and well-doing. I'm going to roar the word of God in the spirit of faith. I believe, I speak, and I shall see it. You have to have your boldness where your faith is concerned. You can't let situations, you can't let life, you can't let haters, you can't let people talk you out of your faith. Because if they can talk you out of your faith, you won't receive what God has for you. You have to stay bold. You have to roar the word of God. So in order to roar the word, you got to be in the word. You have to know what it says. You have to know what you believe. Because if you don't have a foundation for your faith, what you believe is make-believe. A lot of people like to say, well, I'm believing this. Well, what are you standing on? Well, I don't know. Then you have no grounding for what you believe. And you'll be easily pushed off what you believe. You have to know, I'm standing on this scripture. I'm standing on this promise. The word of God says this. So this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm standing on. And that's what you have to say continually. That's what you have to say consistently to get to such a point that when something happens without you even thinking about it, your spirit says what the word says. That's how much you have to fill the word. So your first response to a situation is the word of God. That you roar back at your situation, thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith what I hope Thus saith what I think. No, no. Thus saith the Lord. He said in his word, and he is true, so this is what's going to happen for me. 
Go to Acts chapter 4. You have to roar the word. God came to give you boldness. You have to be bold in 2018. You have to be bold in your faith, bold in your belief, bold in your praying. As we said before, pray big prayers because you serve an even bigger God. Pray big prayers because you serve an even bigger God. One of the things I'm praying over my girls, my daughter, and my niece, God, raise them up to be the greatest woman of God in their generation. Why? Big prayers. Bigger God. So, well, Pastor, will we start praying that for our girls? Good. There'll be a lot of great women of God in that generation. Pray big prayers. You serve an even bigger God. Be bold in your prayer life. Sometimes people don't receive big things because they're afraid to ask for big things. They really don't believe they're the righteous God in Christ Jesus, so they think they only can receive according to their works. There's nothing in this Christian life that's about your works. It's about what Jesus did. It's not about your works. It's about your faith. Can you believe for it? Can you stand the test of time in your faith and not grow weary in well-doing? Can you stay in your belief to receive what God wants you to have? Or will you stand in faith on Sunday and get tired on Monday? Will you be bold enough in your faith to believe God and receive it no matter how long it takes? So how long do I need to stand in faith? Till you get it. How long do you need to resist the devil? Till he runs. Stop putting a timeline on something. Say, God is faithful. He will give it to me. I will not give up. I will not quit. Quitting should not be in the believer's dictionary. God did not call us to be wimps. He called us to be the lions. There's a lion on the inside of you. There's boldness Jesus came to give you. So you see Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin. And notice what they think of them in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they, had, they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They were marveled. They were confused. Wait a minute. Their boldness is not in their education. They didn't go to our schools, yet they're standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with us like someone we would have trained. Where did this boldness come from? Hey, I recognize them. These were the fishermen that were with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus, if you walk with Jesus, you will grow in your boldness. Why? Whoever you spend time with the most, you'll begin to act like. So if you spend enough time with him, you'll start acting like him. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dear children. Copy God like little kids copy their parents. My 20-month-old daughter copies almost everything I do. Doesn't matter what it is, she will copy it. And so I like Tex-Mex too much, but I like Tex-Mex. That queso and the burritos can get me sometimes. So, so I'll get different type of queso or salsa, and I have a chip, and I'm dipping it, and I'll eat it. I'm not thinking of it, but my daughter's watching me. So now she wants to dip every chip she has. 
And so she knows enough that daddy's food is her food, so she'll come and dip her chip along with me. Why? She's copying me. And so I remember Jeremy Pearson was telling the story, and he made this phrase, says, you know, it changed it from you might be a redneck if, he says, you might be word of faith if. And he was talking about he was driving one day, and they had picked up some fast food, and his son had a cheeseburger, uh, cheese sandwich or whatever in the back, and it was really hot. And so he says, cheese, grilled cheese sandwich, I command you in the name of Jesus to cool down. And he says, you might be word of faith if your child uses the faith command to cool down a grilled cheese sandwich. And so the other day, we have our Charles Caps books where it has a list of confessions and scriptures that we speak every day. So the other day, I see my daughter walking around with a Charles Caps book saying something. I'm like, you might be word of faith if your toddler has a child's caps book and speaking out of it. What is that? She's copying what she sees me do. Copy what you see Jesus do. Spend time with him so you can imitate what Jesus does. Because if you spend enough time with him, you'll get his boldness. It'll rub off on you. I remember the floor I lived on when I was at Orium. We are all different people from different parts of the country and around the world, and we all had different type of customs, thinkings, mentality, and phrases. But the more we spent time with each other, the more it became one. There were some different guys who lived on my floor there from the islands. When I first met them, I had no idea what they were saying. They were speaking really fast, like, guys, I need y'all to slow down. But the more I spent time with them, I knew exactly what they are saying. It didn't even sound like an accident. I, I got them. Why? I spent time with them. See, when you start first start spending time with Jesus, he may say, say things that sound strange. Forgive them. Walk in love. Turn off the TV and pray a little bit more. Push away that meal and spend some time with me. Strange things. Give extra in the offering, just strange things. But the more you spend time with him, the more you understand him. So Peter and John are released. They're threatened. Saying, if you keep preaching the name of Jesus, we will kill you. And so they get, come back to their own company. And thousands come together and they pray. And you see in verse 29, it says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. They even begin with what they were threatened with. They began to thank God by the word of God and what scripture they're standing on. So then they finally get to that in the verses, verse 29, behold their threatenings, grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Wait a minute, the reason why they were called before the Sanhedrin in the first place is because they got someone healed in the name of Jesus. So what do they pray? God, give us boldness and do it again. We ain't afraid of them. Do it again. Whatever got us in trouble for standing in faith the last time, do it again. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Boldness is also connected to you being filled with the Holy Ghost. You have to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Just because you were filled one day doesn't mean you're filled the next day. Here's a faith secret. You leak. Just because you were filled 20 years ago doesn't mean you're filled today. If you got filled 20 years ago and you ain't filled up anytime recently, you are empty. So I'm full of something. Yeah, you are full of something, but ain't the Holy Ghost. 
You got to spend time with Jesus every day. Spend time praying in the spirit every day and fill yourself up. There are, only, there are certain giftings and graces that will only be in operation if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're not filled, you're going to miss it. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is not a divine luxury. It's a divine command. So that means throughout your day, you may have to find time to sneak away and fill up a little bit. Now, a lot of us have very busy lives. A number of you have children. A number of you have young children. And they can consume all time. But you can find time if you ask the Lord to help you to sneak away and fill up a little bit. Even if it's in five-minute increments, go pray for five minutes, fill up. Got a couple hours later, got another five minutes, fill up a little bit more. Look for times to fill up. Smith Wigglesworth said, I never pray for longer than 15 minutes at a time. He's like, that's a great man of God. He raised over 20, minute, 20 people from the dead, preached to thousands, many healings. But then he said, I never go 15 minutes without praying. He lived a lifestyle staying full. So he had a constant conversation with God. And then I was reading stories of people who learned from him. And they said they will go out to eat with him. They'll have dinner or lunch with him. And then he'll finish. So now that we fed our bodies, let's feed our spirit. He'll pull out a Bible from his pocket and read a chapter from the word of God. He was at a place where I'm going to stay full of God. And God could do amazing things through him. At the end of his life, he laid hands on Lester Sumrall, prayed for him that he would receive the same boldness that he had. Because before then, Lester would say that he wasn't that bold. But after Smith prayed for him, he got bold. And if he studied the life of Lester Sumrall, he cast out devils like it was nothing. One lawyer wanted to intimidate him, make fun of him, so he called him in as a character witness. And they said, how many demons have you cast out? And he told them the number, and the whole court got quiet. Because he started telling them stories. But Smith laid hands on him that he received boldness. And he told him, because Le- Lester was about to bring a newspaper in the house, he says, don't bring those lies in. Nothing in that paper's true. Because World War II was going on. And he says, don't worry, Hitler will be dead soon. He'll be in hell soon. The world will keep going. Boldness. Like, not even affected. Keep moving. You have to have boldness that no matter what wages around you or rages around you, I'm going for it. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time in prayer. Look for opportunities to slip away and fill up. First John chapter 4. Verse 16. First John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him, herein is our love made perfect or mature or grown up, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You're not supposed to be afraid on judgment day. If you are afraid of judgment day, your love is not grown up yet. But not just judgment day, but any time where it seems like judgment is happening. Judgment is another word for harvest. 
You see all these things going on in our nation right now. You'll see more in the next year. What is that? It's judgment and harvest. When you talk about fullness and overflow in the scripture, those are terms of judgment and harvest. 2018 will be a year of fullness, a year of overflow, and a year of glory. So it will be a year of judgment and a year of harvest. But you're not supposed to be scared when it's judgment time. Why? When it's judgment time for the believer, it's reward time if you're following Jesus. So why made my snakes? Repent. Judge yourself. First Corinthians says, if you judge yourself, you will not be. So wait a minute, how do you judge yourself? You mess up. God, that's wrong. That's sin. I shouldn't have done that. I ask that you forgive me. I confess my sins. And I receive, according to your word, forgiveness and cleansing of sin. You judge yourself. Jesus has forgotten about it. God has forgotten about it. So if judgment came, you wouldn't get punished. Judge yourself lest you be judged. So you got stuff going on in your life right now that shouldn't be going on. Judge yourself. Get rid of it and move forward. Don't get caught up in the judgment of the world. One of the things you see in Paul's teachings, it says judgment first starts at the house of God. It starts there. It doesn't end there. It starts there. So God will clean up the church, and then he'll get turned toward the world. Judge yourself, and he won't be judged. You're not supposed to be afraid at judgment time or on judgment day. Our love has to be made mature. Because then it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love. But mature, grown-up love cast out or evicts fear because fear has torment or the fear of punishment. He that fears is not made perfect or grown-up or mature in love. Growing up in love is twofold. It's believing the love God has for you. It's believing what John 17, 23 says, that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. It's believing what Paul uses in his writings and John uses in his writings, especially in the message version, says the extraordinary love of God that's manifested towards you. It's believing that love, actually believing that God loves you in an everyday practical sense, not just in a theoretical theology sense. Oh, yes, I know God loves me, but what does that mean to your everyday life? You can ask any question, does God love you? Oh, yes, God loves me, but they don't act like he does. They're afraid to go before him when they make a mistake because they're like, oh, I messed up. You forget, he loves you. They're afraid to ask him for what they really need. You forget, he loves you. You have to believe that love and let it go down to your very everyday practical life. But also growing up in love is making a decision to walk in love and not violating the commandment of love. What is the commandment of love? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then Jesus added a tagline to it. It says, love them as I loved you. The love commandment in its maturity is when you love everybody just like Jesus loves you. When you do that, you will grow in the love of God, and your boldness will grow. If your love walk is sketchy, your boldness will be sketchy. If you don't believe that God loves you, you won't be as bold. You won't be as bold to step out on the things of God, to step out in faith. Now, if your love walk is sketchy, you may have fleshly boldness, but it won't result in the miraculous. It will result in cruelty. You'll have boldness to do things, but you will violate the love commandment to do so, so you'll use people to get things because you love things more than you love people. 
But if you have the boldness of God, you'll use things to love people. And you understand that God gives you richly all things to enjoy. Not to meet your needs, but to enjoy. Meeting your needs is automatic, but he wants to give you things to enjoy. But you have to believe his love to that point where when things show up, you're not running for cover because you believe God. You believe he loves you. And believing that love makes you bold to the point, as it says in verse 17, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, it would have been one thing, it would have been miraculous if he said, as Jesus Nazareth is, is how we are right now in this world. But he didn't say that. He says, as he is. How is he? He is a resurrected, glorified Christ, glorified with all the glory that there is, seated at the right hand of God forevermore, ever living to make intercession for us. That's how he is. And as we keep growing in the love of God, growing in the maturity, growing in the spirit, we'll look just like him. We're going to shine just like him. The glory is going to come from us just like him. Why? He's in us. Jesus didn't come and die to give you some downgraded salvation, downgraded Christianity to say, well, you can't be like me, but you can always dream about it. No, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus got up again to make you like him. The blood was enough, like we talked about it last week, to make you as pure as Jesus himself. The blood was enough to clean you up so well the Holy Ghost can move on the inside of you to enable you and empower you to do just like Jesus did. The Holy Ghost wants to do through you is to finish the ministry of Jesus. Everything he's called you to do is an extension of the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent to glorify the name of Jesus, to make the name of Jesus famous. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you to glorify and to make the name of Jesus famous. But you can't violate the law of love. You'll cut out your boldness and you'll cut out the miraculous. So you have to believe the love. Let's wrap this up. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Due time means set time. There's a set time for your promotion. God has a set time for you. There are things set up for you in 2018. It's a set time for you. So don't run away from your set time. Humble yourselves. What does humble yourselves mean? Do what God says. Believe what God says. Yield to his way. Don't think you know so much. Yield to his way so at the right time he can lift you up. God has no problem lifting you up. He has no problem making your name great. He said, told to Abram, I'll make your name great. God just wants to be the one to make your name great. Because if you set out to make your name great, you will violate the love of God. You'll violate the love commandment. You'll violate the scripture in order to do it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up at the set time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. If you carry all your cares, all your worries, all your distractions every day, you will not be bold. You have to take it every day and give it to Jesus. Every single time you get stressed, you have to give it to Jesus. This is something you have to learn to do every single day. 
It's something I have to do every single day. Because it's not just stress or care that comes from my personal life, my personal family. It's also the stress of the church. It's any type of care of worry that any person in the congregation has. That I know you're going through something, so I feel that care. I feel that worry. So I can either carry it and die early. That ain't happening. Or I give it to Jesus. Paul talked about the enemy would try to add on top of all of his affliction and persecution the care of all the churches. But you have to learn to take that care and give it to Jesus. Take that worry and give it to Jesus. You open your mouth and say, you know what, I'm going to stress about that. I've already prayed about it. Jesus, I give it to you. What happens if the thought comes back five seconds later? Do it again. Well, how often should I do it till that thought stops coming back? Cast your care. Give it over to Jesus because you were never meant to carry it. The reason why worry and care breaks down our bodies is we're never meant to carry it. Cast your care because you have a caretaker. And it always takes care of you in grand style. Give it over to Jesus. Be sober, be vigilant. It's not just talking about alcohol, but that applies. Don't be drunk on your worry and your care. There's going to be people before Jesus comes back that get so caught up with the cares of this world, the cares of this life, drunk in the worry and the care of this world, they miss the rapture. It says, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction, the same pressure are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. It doesn't say Satan is a lion. It says he likes to walk around like he is a lion. His resistance, steadfast in the faith. Steadfast means don't move. Be unmovable. Resist him. Push him back. Because James 4, 7 says resist the devil and he will flee. It's not just what temptation is concerned. It's concerned anything Satan will try to throw your way. How long do you resist the devil? Till he runs. How long do you resist him? Till he runs away and stark terror. Remember, the line of the tribe of Judah lives on the inside of you. And he made you into a lion and gave you boldness just like him. So if Satan shows up to challenge you, Remember who you are. Remember who's on the inside of you. Go to 1 Chronicles eleven twenty two. Let's in here. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22. First Chronicles chapter 11. When we read this, you see the story of David's mighty men. There were hundreds of men that came to David. They were in debt. They were depressed. They were distressed. No one wanted them. So they came to David, and David became a leader over them, spent time with them, mentored them, and they began to change. They began to prosper. They began to become who God wanted them to be. But then there was a group of those men that were mightier than the rest, that did things like David or Samson would do. And so you see about one of them in verse 22. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Cabezo, who had done many acts. So he's just going to describe a few, but he says he's done many things. He slew two lion-like men of Moab, two guys who were like lions. He took them down. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. 
So a day like today, he goes into a pit. There's a lion in a pit. Most people would avoid that pit. Most people won't even be outside. It's snowing. But much less a lion in the snow. This dude jumps in the pit. He's like, one person is coming out this pit. It's either me or you for a ball. You got to have this guy's boldness. He jumped in a pit to face a lion. You have an adversary that acts like a lion. You have to get the mentality, one of us is coming out of this pit, Satan. It's either going to be me or you, and I'm going to tell you it ain't going to be you. When it's said and done, you're going to be in this pit. I'm going to be all walking my merrily way. You have to have boldness to such a point that you challenge the devil. You resist the devil. You're not running from the devil. The devil's running from you. You hop in the pit. He hops out because he doesn't want to face you. You have to have this boldness. You have to have this confidence. You have to roar the word of God at the enemy. You have to believe the love God has for you. You have to speak the word of God. But remember the name Judah means praise. So in the face of the roaring of the enemy, you don't go back on, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You look at him and say, is that the best you got? That roar is the best you got? Dude, your breath kind of smells. Is that the best you got? You roar the word of God in his face. You do what Jesus did in Matthew 4. It is written. Thus saith the Lord. You roar back. You use your boldness and your confidence. And after you prayed, after you've spoken the word, you begin to praise God. Now, how do you praise God? Like, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Ha, praise him. Hallelujah, yes. No. You praise him in the same way you would act as if what you prayed for just came to pass. And see, the thing is, people try to act dignified in church. They try to be dignified in their praise, and that's not what God wants you to do. And see, the thing is, what's very interesting, because I study American history in different points, when you look at the different revivals and awakenings, they were all shouting. They were all dancing. They used to call John and Charles Wesley the shouting Methodist. They're all these denominations. They shout, they dance, and the sawdust under the tents, kicking up a cloud, shouting before God, praising God. And they said, why are y'all so loud? Mariah would say this, if you got the glory in your soul like I do in mine, you shout too. What? They knew something about power of praise. Not just praising at church, but praising every day. Knowing to lift your voice and give God glory no matter what Satan's throwing your way. Knowing to stand in faith, lifting up your voice, blessing the holy name of God, the mighty name of Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah who has come to give you victory. You're supposed to have victory. He didn't come to make you a loser. You were born again to win. You're on the winning side. So act like it. We're the only team that celebrates before we score. 
We're the only one who celebrates when it looks like we're going to lose. We're the only ones who celebrate when there's one second left on the clock and we're down by a lot. Why? There's still one second on the clock. And as long as there's breath in our body, it ain't over till we win. Because Jesus came to give us victory. It doesn't matter what the situation, what area of life, whether it seems spiritual or not, Jesus came to give you victory. So you have to have a bonus and you have to act like it. It's time out for being, well, maybe it'll happen. No, no, act like it. It is going to happen. It will happen. It shall happen. Why? Jesus said so. I said so. Watch what happens. Don't believe me? Just watch. you got to have as much confidence as Bruno does when he sings that song. You have to say, what I say, it's coming to pass. I have that same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. What I say comes to pass. So that means you have to watch what you say. Because if you just run your mouth flippantly, that means you don't even believe what you say comes to pass. So watch what you say so that makes sure your faith in your words is correct. And believe God. Act like the lion God has made you. Know there's great victory for you even this month, but even greater victory in 2018. Know it's going to be a year of fullness, a year of overflow, and a year of glory. Know that the rain is not quitting. Yes, it's a year of fabulous outpourings from heaven, but the rain will continue into 2018, and it's going to increase. So it's not time to go back saying, well, I don't know it's going to work. No, convince yourself, it is going to work. Why? God's faithful. I don't praise him based on what I see. I praise him based on his faithfulness. So if that's the case, then you're the greatest, most positive person ever. Because you know, no matter what comes, it's got to change. Well, bad reports keep piling up. Man, the testimony is going to be even bigger. Woo, it's been a rough year. 2018 is going to be sweet. Why? He's faithful. So stand to your feet. I like something I learned from Reverend Mark Hankins. I say it a lot. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. Remember, so Judah means celebrate, praise. So how you praise God... How you celebrate God is representative of what you expect God to do. Because some people are like, well, I'm just believing for a praise the Lord miracle. Okay, go. Just clap your hands. But see, you really have an opportunity right now because the camera's not facing y'all, and it's not a lot of people here. People snowed in at home. And you watching online, you snowed in at home, you can dance in your room and no one's going to judge you. You can be loud. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. Just for a few minutes. We're doing great on time. I'm going to give you an opportunity to praise God like you believe he's going to give you the victory. So why well, I don't have rhythm. You don't have to have a rhythm to dance before God. Praise him anyways. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Are you ready for the opportunity? Do y'all really believe God's going to show up in your life? Do you really believe he's faithful? 
three, two, one, go! the Holy Ghost would get to move. I remember the testimony of Bishop when they're trying to get their first real building and things that happened in the church that split the church and caused to be a poor financial situation and they needed $30,000 and in the early 80s that was seems much more than it does now and so do you know what he did? He danced the money in. He went into his office and danced and jumped and leaped rolled down the aisle, got up and did it again. As I remember growing up and seeing where the Holy Ghost would move and hearing Bishop and Dad Hagen and Mark Hankins say stuff like, you need to dance that money in. Mark Hankins was saying when he was beginning in ministry, he saw all of Dad Hagen's board members just acting wild at the altar, dancing and rolling and laughing. And he's looking at them, what's wrong with them? And the Lord told him and says, they're all millionaires. You better get your broke self down there too. So I want you to have this mentality. You're celebrating God, but you're dancing your miracle in. You're dancing the money in. You're praising in your harvest. You're praising in the manifestation. So we're about to kick it up another notch. Ready, set, go. They praise the Lord.
sing overflow. Say overflow. individual needs where there's some things I'm believing for for this ministry you see I see churches all across the metro Atlanta area that we start all through area we drove through an area out there and said this would be a good spot for one I see multiple churches of Faith Christian Center throughout the metro Atlanta area throughout Georgia and Chattanooga and other places in the southeast I see it I see crusades in different places in Africa different places God has called us to go but to do that takes some money how many know that so we're going to rejoice again, but I want y'all to use your faith and dance in the money that's going to call us to do the mission God has called us to do. So I got my director of administration right here, and I have my grandma right here. So we're going to dance together, and I want y'all to dance with us, believe in God.
his mercy endures Aren't y'all glad you came to church today? Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. <laughs> glory to God. Oh, glory to Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and worship God. Lift your voice and worship God. Worship Him in another tongue. Worship Him in the Spirit if you're filled with the Spirit. Oh, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for you are worthy. And you are faithful. You are faithful. You are. Nathan, you have anything?
If you got a tongue, go ahead and get it. Give it. For this is the time, the season I've set aside, says the Lord. Don't be dismayed. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't look to who's the mayor, who's the governor, who's the president. I am your source, saith God. Look to me. And as I've already said, and I will continue to remind you, you're about to walk into a year of fullness, which will be fulfillment for many of you, a year of overflow and a year of glory. It's going to be a marvelous year if you look for it, if you're not looking in the right place, says the Lord, you will not see it. But when you look the way I told you to look, when you take on the eyes of faith and you follow the leading of my spirit, it will be a year of fullness, it will be a year of overflow, and it will be a year of glory. But you must follow the leading of my spirit. You must walk by faith, walk in love, and listen to me so you know where you're going. And you'll know where to look, and the eyes of your understanding shall be enlightened. You will know the hope of my calling, and you'll grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And the glory of God in you will increase, and you'll become like a magnet. You'll bring people in from the north, south, east, and the west to come to know my marvelous son. And in that, you'll make him famous because you've learned to walk as one with my son. And you'll bring glory, honor, and praise, and then the end shall come. But before that time comes, many, 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 many must come to know my son. Son. So do your part, do your job, because soon you're going to be before me, and I'm going to say, well done. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We receive it. Father, we thank you for tongues and interpretation of tongues. Found in 1 Corinthians 12 and chapter 14 given for our edification, our exhortation, and our comfort. We receive that word, and we thank you for it. And where every head is bowed, every eye closed in prayer.
I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.